BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now your host, Record Store Browser, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Maggie, Maggie, Maggie Wednesday. And here's why. So, you know, I like to think I know absolutely everything about, there is to know about politics. But it turns out I don't. Let's go back in time. In the time machine. The last night, we're at the hideout. The great debate. Carlos Ramirez Rosa representing Bernie Sanders. Brandon Johnson representing Elizabeth Warren. They're going at it. They're punch for punch. Great debate. It was very enlightening. Loving the sound effects. (laughs) How about the... (laughs) I mean... (laughs) You know, uh, did I ever... uh, Can I give you my cleanest sweet imitation? Anyway, so they're having this great debate. And at one point, Brandon Johnson says, just as an offhand comment, I, Brandon Johnson, thought I knew everything about politics, but I didn't realize they had many electoral college systems in Iowa. Now, we've been talking about the utter debacle in Iowa, the fact that they're apparently incapable of counting votes, one of the most embarrassing displays of ineptitude I've ever seen. And I say this as a person who's watched Chicago elections since 1981, actually go back to the 70s and the 60s. So, yes, my, come on, Hoosiers, you really screwed that one up. Anyway, I'm like, many electoral colleges? What's he talking about? Huh. But I didn't want to say anything. You know, it was a debate. I didn't want to interrupt the debaters. At the same point, I didn't want to admit to everybody in the room that I didn't know what he was talking about. But later, D. <laughs> later. So I took a look. I took a look at the totals that were coming. I know it was hard to keep track of the totals because they they were they released them in chunks. I think they're still only at 71%. Last I looked, it was like 71% of reported. Here we are on Wednesday. The election was Monday. Oh, take your time, Iowa. No. You know, the, the, the convention's in July. You have to July to figure out uh, how many delegates everybody gets. Anyway, it's still at 71%. They're taking their time. And I took a look at the raw vote, okay? Just like who voted for Bernie, who voted for Buttigieg, okay? Those are the top two, all right? Bernie had 32,772, last I looked. That's correct. Thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. And uh, Mayor Pete at 31,458. That's correct. So one more time, Bernie. <laughs> Mueller's really on his game today, man. Bernie, 32,772. Mayor Pete, 31,458. Hmm. 32, 31. Now, as I always point out, I am not Daniel Danny Biss. I am not a mathematician. It's true. And who is? <laughs> Dan Biss, he is. Oh, Ben, I ain't really good at math. But it is, you know, I just also want to point out that I took and passed freshman year algebra at Evanston High School. Okay, it wasn't that easy, D. All right? Oh, I'm right there with you. I struggled in that class. Me too. But one thing I learned in those advanced scholarly pursuits of mine of algebra at Evanston High School when I was a wee lad of 13 and 14, one thing I learned is 32 is more than 31. Again, don't call me Danny Biss, but 32, last I looked. And you know, just to be sure, D, I went around and asked a lot of experts. "Uh, Excuse me, uh, Professor Mathematician, is 32 still more than 31? Oh, yes, it is. Did I miss something? Did they like change the rules and make 31 more than? No, they did not. Hmm. So how could it be that Mayor Pete and Mayor Pete supporters are jumping for joy and doing doing backflicks, claiming they won when Bernie has 32 and Mayor Pete has 31. Good question, right, D? Huh? I think okay. so. So I called every expert I knew. I'm calling. Oh no! I'm calling reporters and strategists, asking about the obscure. Uh, tendencies of the Iowa Democratic Party and how they apportion delegates in such a way that if you get 32, you lose to the guy who got 31. And I'd like to say uh, uh, thank you to the one person who had the answer. 
the great Maggie Wonderly. I've talked about her before. She's coming on the show in a little while. Maggie, I hope you're listening right now. You truly know the game. She is Bernie Sanders. She'll she'll say, Ben, don't. You're giving me too much credit. But she's really the brains of the Bernie Sanders delegate selection process here in the state of Illinois. As such, I turn to her whenever I have a question, which I have questions all the time, about the bizarre and Byzantine rules that regulate and govern the selection process. Uh, she helped the Bernie Sanders campaign put together their delegate slate, and she knows the. She goes to all the meetings. She studied the rule book. She knows absolutely, absolutely everything about the delegate process. And I told her when I uh, hung up with her, I said to her what I always tell uh, say to D: Give yourself a raise, Maggie, and take it out of petty cash. And she pointed out she's not getting any money because she's a volunteer. Well, then double your salary. Anyway, Maggie explained this to me. I said, Maggie, how come? In the entire universe, 32 is more than 31, except when it comes to apportioning delegates uh, in the state of Iowa, according to the rules of the Democratic Party. And bottom line, I'm going to make this, I'm going to try to make this as easy as understand as possible. The way she explained it to me is that in Iowa, delegates are proportioned according to what went down in the last elections in a precinct. So if a precinct had a big turnout in the last election, they get more delegates uh, in this election. Now, on Monday in Iowa, the Bernie del- uh, the Bernie precincts, the precincts where Bernie was more populated, uh, popular, outperformed previous elections. So more Bernie people showed up uh, this time than had in those precincts that had voted the last precincts. In the Buttigieg precincts, the results were not that good compared to the last elections, but because they were rewarded for past successes, Buttigieg gets more delegates. Are you following that? And even if you aren't, I'll just reduce it to this. In the state of Iowa, the incentive for doing better, for outperforming your opponent, is to be punished. I don't know what I'm more outraged uh, when I think about the de- the Democrats in Iowa that they can't get their act together with the apps that count the votes, which is pretty outrageous. You should just go to a paper ballot. Oh, no, we're so sophisticated. We've got this app that's produced by a company called Shadow. <laughs> right off the bat, I wouldn't have hired that company. I don't know what I'm more outraged, that they don't have their act together with their apps or that the rules they've set up punished the person who wins. The bottom line... My beloved Democratic Party always finds a way to lose even when they win. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. Oh, my God. He is so fired up. He's ready to talk. Uh, Iowa, Trump, impeachment, uh, State of the Union speech, Rush Limbaugh. What else, D? What else is there out there for him to talk about? There's a lot. There's a lot. Atiba Buchanan will be in here. I'll tell you what. Atiba Buchanan knows the game. He probably knew about those bizarre Byzantine election rules in Iowa. I didn't ask him about them. Uh, he'll be ready to join the conversation on all the political news of the day. And then, uh, as Dennis said, Del Marie Cobb. Man, I cannot wait to hear what Del Marie Cobb has to say about the state of the Democratic Party uh, and uh, the state of the union in the aftermath of Donnie Trump's speech. So plenty of political talk ahead of us before we do any of that. Young man from Alton, he knows a thing or two about politics. Oh, yeah. They call him Dr. Doobie with the news. <laughs> hey, everybody. Let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And we begin with the Illinois governor. Today, Governor J.B. Pritzker is at Ridgely Elementary School in Springfield mm. to make an announcement on statewide broadband expansion. Way to go, J.B. Let's recap, shall we? Mm -hmm. So far this year, he's made a handful of visits outside the city. It was just reported that we've brought in $40 million of revenue since the legalization of recreational reefer in January. Last week, we learned that we have one hell of an Illinois State Fair summer lineup this year, (laughs) featuring LL Cool J, Toby Keith, and Puddle of Mud. (laughs) On Tuesday, he threw our neighboring state of Iowa under the bus for Illinois' own political gains, suggesting that Illinois should host the first Democratic primary of the election season a brilliant idea and today a downstate public announcement making the rest of illinois feel included hot damn jb pritzker is knocking it out of the park in 2020 take a chill pill man 
I will. I will take a chill pill. He's Mayor just Rom. jealous that you never said anything nice about him. <laughs> He's, I was pretty excited there. Mayor Rom called me out. Uh, ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. Well, before I give you my thoughts, let me ask you your thoughts. Okay. You, know, you just gave uh, a glowing praise for one, Governor J.B. I'm not a perfect person, Pritzker. Does that mean that you officially regret having voted for Bob Diber in the <laughs> in the last election in the 2018 primary? Not, no, young not, Dennis. Not at all. <laughs> Even though JB, you nope. love JB now. You well, I don't love him, but <laughs> fan kind, of what he's doing. Kind of like him. Kind of sort yeah, of like yeah. him. Is that a JB tattoo? I see. Hey. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. My thoughts. Go get him, JB. All right. <laughs> on to our Chicago mayor as we wait. Hold on. What? Let me weigh in. Let me just say something. Okay. Now, I've been studying his proposal, like his suggestion that we move the uh, primary, make Illinois number one primary. And I believe you told me uh, that your good friend Greg Hines from Cranes weighed in on this and said, yes, he endorses it. I did not mm -hmm. see the column, okay? That's my old poker uh, playing yep, yep. pal. I'm this close to getting the interview with him on the show. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Greg Hines, he, he said that. He's known as know when to hold him, know when to fold him, Greg Hines. That mm -hmm. Greg Hines? Here we go. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, Mark Brown of the Chicago Sun-Times said, no, not a good idea. Mark Brown has been a guest on the show, wrote a column in the Sun-Times. So suddenly, D, where do I go? I'm really... St Greg Hines says, yay. Mark Brown says, nay. What do I do, D? No, no. <laughs> Panic in Detroit. I got to say, I never thought these words would come out of my mouth. I'm with Greg Hines on this one, man. Bring it to Illinois. Okay. Mark Brown says, it's we have winter in, in Illinois, so it's cold. Ah. <laughs> Come on, Mark. Mm, okay. I, Mark Brown, come on, man. You got to be tougher. That little snow's not going to threaten you. I'm cold. That damn winter. <laughs> yeah, we have winter, but somehow life goes on. All right, you know, they plow the streets. They put salt down. I'm with Greg Hines in this one. As much as I love Mark Brown, I'm saying have the primary in Illinois. It's far more representative. Uh, and then, uh, then I went, indeed, think of how much fun it would be. Like, just imagine if Illinois was the first primary state and we were the beneficiaries of all the love and attention that Iowa was. Like, Bernie would be in the studio. $27. I've been in the studio. It's a little rough, but <laughs> thanks for your support. Can I play the piano? Uh, yeah. And then I would do that close I do. Not only is he the senator from Vermont, not only is he a proud graduate of Brooklyn High School, but the man plays a mean piano. Those who make it all the way to the end, they got that one. <laughs> so anyway, I'm with Greg Hines. Uh, sorry, uh, Mark, I love you dearly, but yeah, Greg, he's right on target. Bring the Illinois primary. Make Illinois the number one state. All right, I'm looking online here. Emails. Okay, we. Greg Hines hasn't canceled the interview yet. Way to go, Ben. Proud of you. Got a new in the hole. Win the hole. Please stop. Oh, there we're, goes we're, the We're getting there. We don't. <laughs> Great poker player, Greg. Hines. Okay, please stop. <laughs> On to our Chicago mayor. As we mentioned and questioned both Tuesday and Friday, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced that she will attend President Donald Trump's State of the Union address. Well, that happened last night. The mayor was, in fact, in attendance. And the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Lynn Sweet. Lynn, Spe uh, Lynn Sweet spoke with Mayor Lightfoot. Say that ten times. I'm telling you, <laughs> Lynn Sweet spoke with Mayor Lightfoot about the speech and, more importantly, the question that we've all been asking, uh, why the hell would you even want to attend? <laughs> Trump's always trashing Chicago. Yes. Lightfoot had an explanation, all right? She told Lynn Sweet, quote, being here as a representative of the great city of Chicago gives me an opportunity to continue to be an ambassador for our city to connect with federal representatives at every level. Lynn Sweet went on to say that Lightfoot is a serious serial networker. Ben, what do you think of that? <laughs> what? She's there not so much uh, for the Donald, but rather to connect with federal representatives. Right, let me, a lot to unpack here, okay? A lot to unpack. Let me unpack it. Hey, we don't need sound effects. That's me unpacking things. All right. So first of all, if you're there to network, more power to you. Network. I read the little and sweet column and she was networking, shaking hands, passing out cards, saying, I like you. You're good. Hey, I love you. That's good. All right, fine. Networking's good for the city of Chicago. But that doesn't mean you have to go to the speech. At the part of the uh, Lynn Sweet column that I found uh, most interesting, D, I'll now read it to you. 
Uh, Lori Lightfoot said she was prepared to walk out as Trump scorched, quote, radical politicians, unquote, who provide sanctuary for, quote, criminal illegal aliens, if he mentioned Chicago. Instead, he slammed New York and California. Let me just pause and think about that. So she was going to walk out if he unfairly trashed the city of Chicago, but it's okay if he unfairly trashes California and uh, New York. I don't get the logic there. I I feel he he should walk out if he unfairly trashes a Democratic state or Democratic city because they are Democratic states in Democratic cities. And he does that tracking, trashing in the State of the Union speech, which is supposed to be about how we're all in it together, how we're all one state, if you will, one union, if you will. I don't know why you would sit through and listen to him trash California. Well, that's okay. It's California. Let them walk out. So, no, D, I, I, I don't buy it. I, um, as much as I appreciate uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, passing out a card or shaking hands or going to meetings, I feel she could have done that without sitting through that preposterous uh, pageant that was set up by the Trump re-election committee. Uh, which is of the so-called state of the, the union speech. So, no, I do not. Still, I stand by it. I do not think she should have showed up for that. And you know what? One more time, I'll say it. Not a lot of love for Eddie Johnson in this town, former police chief, uh, who was uh, driven out of office after it emerged that he was kissing a woman other than his wife at a bar in Chicago. But he had the guts and the intelligence and the decency and the self-respect not to show up for Trump's speech when he came to town. So do like Eddie Johnson, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Not, I mean, do like Eddie Johnson in terms of Donald Trump. So yeah, that's my take on that. All right, it looks like we're having some audio issues right now on the live stream. Uh, guys, hang tight. I'll grab Brian. Brian! <laughs> I'll grab him before we uh, do our interview with Monroe Anderson, all right? <laughs> but Lynn Sweet was on the mayor's trail all day. She met her at a, as Lightfoot finished a Congressional Black Caucus event where she met members of Congress, representatives of trade and social service organizations, and the Urban League chief. Before the speech on Media Row, the mayor got chummy with politicians like Democratic representative out of Florida and ex-president Bill Clinton's Health and Humane Services Secretary Donna Shalala. Uh, Democratic Senator out of Connecticut, Chris Murphy, and I'm still not sure if this is passive aggressiveness or not. Democratic Representative Bobby Scott of Virginia walked yeah. by. He asked Lightfoot, how's your school system doing? <laughs> that was it. Not sure uh, what that means. I, yeah, that, I, I read that too. I know you're in the middle, but can we just pause and think about that? Like, was... Bobby Scott being a jerk, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. kind of a rough time for the school system. I'm, I'm not making light of things. Uh, there's a sexual harassment scandal erupting at Lincoln Park High School as we speak. I'm not sure Bobby Scott would know that's going on. And at the same time, follow me this, people. The uh, the gentleman who's in charge, the inspector general who's in charge of investigating such uh, uh, episodes, uh, like alleged sexual harassment scandals, uh, had to step down after he was embroiled in a harassment scandal. So the guy who's in charge of investigations just stepped down. I don't know who's going to do the investigation. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a really great time for Chicago public schools. Uh, so I don't know if, if Bobby Scott was aware of that when he asked that question. Uh, I don't know if he uh, was being a wise guy or if he, you know, it's sort of like saying, you know, How, how's your day today? Like today when I was walking through the the hallways of the Chicago Sun-Times, people, hey, how's it day today? How are you doing today? All right. You know, it's just like a general nice thing. You know, they didn't get specific. How's the show today? That, you know, they didn't get specific. Bobby Scott got really specific. So kind of wondering, is this guy a I jerk? Mean, it's proven my theory once again. You just can't trust somebody with a first name as a last name. Bobby Scott. You mean a last name is a first name? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't trust them. You know, you've been hanging around me so long, you're starting to get dyslexia. I know. Not helping me here. All right. Lightfoot was invited to the event by Illinois U.S. Robin, uh, U.S. Representative Robin Kelly. The two, along with fellow female House Democrats, wore all white to the speech. And for those wondering, she bought the suit online from Macy's.com. I know everybody was wondering that one. All right. Let me just 
take apart this. This is this is very important. We want to make, make sure we get it right. We're not like the state of Iowa. We get things right. State of Iowa, apparently, 31 beats 32. That doesn't work in the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. So Lori Lightfoot was not wearing a white suit, uh, sh- uh, but she owns a white suit. Okay? Just get this straight. And the suit she purchased, I learned this, I got that her tailor. She has uh, her tailor, a custom tailor, Richard Bennett. There's a shout out to Richard Bennett, her custom tailor. These things I learned while reading the Daily Newspaper, D. So just so you know, Lori Lightfoot was not wearing a white suit, but she has a white suit. And if she had to wear one, she could have worn one. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. I just wanted to point everything out to make sure we get it correct. And we'd be accurate on the Ben Jarofsky Show. That's good. Accuracy right here on the mm-hmm. Ben Jarofsky Show. And as far as the mayor's thoughts on the State of the Union address itself, Lori Lightfoot was not impressed. <laughs> Should have walked out. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. <laughs> All right. We got audio back, I think, guys. Holler if uh, you can hear us okay. That's because Brian Ernst is in this uh, studio. I'm telling you, he doesn't play around. i tell you what, folks. I said this yesterday. I'll repeat it. If Brian Ernst had been in the state of Iowa Monday, that wouldn't have happened. He actually did say that. <laughs> Brian Ernst would have said, excuse me, fellas, I know a thing or two about apps. Uh, did I tell you I was a millennial? <laughs> Need to fix that app. All right? Next, next <laughs> in 2024, we're going to send Brian Ernst down to Iowa, and that'll take care of that. Now maybe Brian Ernst someday can explain to me how the, the great state of Iowa uh says that Pete Buttigieg won when he got 31 votes and Bernie Sanders lost when he got 32 votes. I'd like to hear any mathematician explain that one. Brian, Brian, (laughs) Brian. All right, I think we got audio. All right. We owe it all to Brian Ernst. Hey, Iowa, his name is Brian Ernst, and he's right here in Chicago. (laughs) Oh, I think my foot, I got big old winter boots on. It's going to snow today, so I think my big old Hulk Hogan big booted the thing. Sorry, guys. All right. Oh, you kicked it with I your boot. Yeah. Gave <laughs> <laughs> the old Hulkster big boot there. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> the mayor was not impressed. Oh, she's impressed with Brian today. Ernst. Uh, that's for sure. Not, well, that's <laughs> obvious. All right. She knows Brian. Lori Lightfoot was not impressed with the State of the Union address. Oh, no, no. Lightfoot said the address amounted to a, quote, campaign speech that was a race to the bottom. Then Lightfoot said she was prepared to walk out as Trump scorched quote, radical politicians who provide sanctuary for, quote, criminal illegal aliens if he mentioned Chicago. Well, yeah, this is the point I made earlier in the show. I I don't know why it's acceptable to sit through Trump trashing California and New York with falsehoods, but somehow it's not acceptable if you're Chicago. I guess, well, I'm from Chicago, so I'm not going to walk out if he trashes California. That's the California, that's the mayor of Los Angeles's job. Apparently, the mayor of Los Angeles wasn't there. By the way, for 10 trivia points, D, who is the mayor of Los Angeles? The mayor of Los Angeles? Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's got to be Ice Cube. Eric Garcetti. (laughs) You're cool. But I don't know who the mayor of um, the mayor of San Francisco has a name. Frank, who's the mayor of San Francisco? He's got a like his last name comes first name. One of those things. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, I used to know uh, this is a. uh, This is a confession time. I used to know the names of the mayors of every major city in the country. That's how much of a geek I was back in the day. I knew them all. John Lindsay, New York City. You don't have to admit these things. (laughs) Frank Rizzo, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was really weird, folks. Yeah, so uh, if if Trump mentioned Chicago, Lightfoot was out of there, but... He slammed New York and California. She's like, all right, I'll stay. Yeah, I'll stay. Well, you know, I don't like California much either. So, you know, I'm not, I don't know. You know, you're either all in it together or you're not. You know, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Just, you know, Cuomo can handle New York. De Blasio can handle New York. Uh, Life Within said that the speech, quote, makes me more resolved to do everything I can to change the results in November. Well, I'm with you 100%. Maybe we could figure out a new system where the loser is not declared the winner, which is apparently the governing principle in the state of Iowa and the governing principle, as I like to point out, in the United States. Uh, As I like to point out, in 2016, the winner of the popular vote was Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump got to be the president. That's because we have this crazy electoral college system. And as David Ferris has pointed out in this show many times, if the shoe was on the other foot, if the Republican Party had been... Been, uh, the victim of this scam with the Electoral College going back twice in this century, there would already be a movement 
uh, to address it and get a, uh, get rid of the Electoral College because the Republican Party plays to win. The Democrat Party, I don't know what they do. They play to, to they play to divvy out contracts to people. I don't know what they're in the game for. So right now, my opinion, uh, all the experts are saying that whoever the Democratic nominee is will likely do even better in the popular vote than Hillary Clinton. And yet they're projecting that Donald Trump could win again because of the Electoral College. So Lori Lightfoot, uh, I, I think I would, I would instead of just going to Washington and hanging out, passing out cards. Why don't you lead the charge to change electoral college? That's asking a lot for Chicago mayor, especially since our state, our enlightened state uh, to the west of us, Iowa, has its own mini electoral college. <laughs> Shout out to Brienne on the live stream chat. She's channeling her inner Frank this afternoon. She's got the facts here. San Francisco mayor. London breed. Told you, London. I thank you, thank you very much. That well, you know what I mean. It's like the first names, like whatever. Anyway, London. I'm writing it down so I don't forget it. And let's end it out here with more Mayor Lightfoot news. And no, this news does not involve Donald Trump or Macy's.com. This one is uh, right in the Ben Jarofsky wheelhouse, if you ask me. The following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Lori Lightfoot orders sweeping tip reforms. <laughs> this, yeah. Arguing uh, that tip spending decisions have, quote, occurred in the shadows for too long. Lightfoot is promising to bring in the light, as her campaign <laughs> slogan famously put it. This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. A new TIF investment committee will make equity the central focus of TIF subsidy decisions with pivotal input from Chief Equity Officer Candace Moore. All right, here's what I, listen, guys. <laughs> I have dedicated approximately the last 20 years of my life to studying Chicago's TIF program. I'm not particularly proud of this. At times, I, see, I, I think the, what have I done? I could have like spent this time and this energy doing something really important, like learning another language. I could be like fluent in Italian, French, Spanish. If I had dedicated just a tenth of the time that I've stu spent studying the TIF program, the corrupt, unfair, wasteful TIF program in the city of Chicago, if I just spent a just a portion of that, how about if I had used that time to make financial investments? D, I'd be richer than Trump. I'd be richer than Pritzker. I'd be the master. I'd be richer than Warren Buffett or Bloomberg. But no. Spent my time studying the TIP program. And well, I like you the way you are. Monroe Anderson has entered the building. Monroe Anderson has entered the building. Spent my time studying the TIF program. Spent my time trying to educate Chicagoans on this scam, only to have Chicagoans give me that little dull look of, like, Iowans today. Iowans today are having that same dull look that Chicagoans have. I explained to Chicagoans how they got ripped off by the TIF program, and they give me that dull look. Huh? It's so complicated. Can't you just talk about something else? <laughs> Iowans today are, tr are trying to grasp the fact. Bernie got 32. Uh, Buttigieg got 31. But Buttigieg is so-called winner. Iowans are like, huh? The, I'll tell you what, D. The TIF program in Chicago is easier to understand and explain than the system they have in Iowa for portioning delegates. And that's saying a lot. So, going back to the TIF program. I welcome reforms. <laughs> I put, But I always say this to everybody in Chicago. Never, ever, ever trust a politician in Chicago or the state of Illinois in general who tells you they're reforming something. That's correct. All right. Bob Mo <laughs> Monroe Anderson knows I'm telling the truth. He's been around a long time. All right, I have some quotes here. Here's uh, Samir Makar, Deputy Mayor for Economic and Neighborhood Development, who chairs the committee uh, with a quote here. Quote, just like other investment committees at a bank, we're looking at projects holistically in a region, how they spur economic development. Oh my God. You have a body of folks <laughs> like the CFO, the budget uh. officer, the controller, asking pretty tough questions to make sure that taxpayer <sighs> money is being allocated in the in the best way possible. Lightfoot is Promising a more rigorous but-for oh, test God, yeah. for developers seeking city subsidies. That includes initial standards to be included immediately in a revised TIF program guide and the hiring of AECOM to put, quote, much more quantitative rigor behind but for standards by the end of the year. Maycar said, quote, we have a near-term solution and a long-term solution. Ben, <laughs> you're feeling this. I can I, tell. Now, let me just say this. I welcome. I, thank you. For addressing it. But let me just remind everybody uh, that Rahm Emanuel did the same thing, D. 
back in 2011 when he marched in the office, he first it took Mike Quigley to explain to him. Mike Congressman Mike Quigley explained to Rom what the TIF program was. Rom didn't, really, you know, Rom didn't even. Chicago went in there in infinite wisdom, elected a man who didn't understand Chicago, barely ever lived here. As their, I think that's a good idea. We're going to elect as our mayor, someone who's never lived here, knows, knows nothing about our city. So Chicagoans, sh- showing you know uh, gr- great wisdom in their electoral decision, they elected Rom. Quickly explained to Rom the TIF scam. Rom said, "Oh my God, are you kidding me? Uh, the TIF program raises taxes on everybody in the city of Chicago and funnels it into bank accounts that I can control. That I." alone pretty much dictate what's wrong with that but no but in order to bamboozle the city of chicago and thinking he was changing it he put together this blue ribbon committee i'm not making any stuff up there you can look it up and they studied the tiff program and then they came to these conclusions oh this program is riddled with fraud and we should change it doing all the things that Lori lightfoot says she's going to do now Rom held a press conference. Rom said, I've changed the program, even though he was just accepting a report pr- produced by his Blue Ribbon Committee. The Tribune and the Sun-Times wrote editorials saying, what a great mayor we have. And then he went right back to misusing and abusing the program. So, excuse me if I'm a little skeptical about any mayor that says he or she is going to reform this scam, because the whole thing about the TIFs is that it's free money for the mayor to play with the way he or she wants. So I'm a little skeptical that we will actually change it. But you know, D, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she will change it. So you know what? We shall see. How about that, D? Huh? I like that. We I'm, shall see. We shall see. It's about as much optimism as we'll get out of that guy. We shall see. Uh, All right, so that's what's going on in the news there. Uh, shout out to Fran Spielman for the article there. By the way, if you haven't yet, you should download the latest Fran Spielman podcast every week. Fran goes one-on-one with the movers and shakers in the city of Chicago. Form, former Mayor Rahm Emanuel was a guest. Take a chill pill, man. Retired State Senator John Cullerton was a guest. And in her latest episode, she takes the deep dive with a guy who looks like both Tom Selleck and Burt Reynolds. At one time, you often hear someone looking like one or the other, but never both. It's interim police superintendent Charlie Beck, this guy right here on the Sun Times. It looks like both of them. Yeah, okay. It's a fantastic podcast. It's the Franz Bielman podcast, downloadable at the Chicago Sun Times website or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago culture, food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. We got the man from all, the man they call Dr. Doobie, with the news. Hey, how's it going? Local news. Let's talk about it. Our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker, was in Mapleton, Illinois today, Ben Jarofsky. He toured, or maybe is touring. It's tough to tell when your show's on at one in the afternoon. Uh, He is Touring the IUOE 659 Apprenticeship and Training Center. Mapleton, Illinois is a small town, roughly three hours south of Chicago near Peoria. Ben Jarofsky for 10 trivia points. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to really blow this trivia question. According to a 2017 census, what is the population of Mapleton, Illinois? Remember, it's a small town. Small town, uh, 1,310. No, sir. 273 <laughs> is the population well, of Mapleton. I, I was thinking more of the metro, the metro region. That's what I was thinking of. 273 people in Mapleton. Small yeah. town there. But the suburbs of Mapleton. And for those wondering where to go to maybe have a good time in Mapleton, uh, the Tin Lizard Bar oh. in East Peoria. Karaoke every Thursday and live entertainment every Friday and Saturday. Have you ever been there? Never. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go there sometime. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. Take a field trip. All right. Enough about Mapleton. But Mr. Pritzker, you know how I feel. I love that you're going downstate more and more. I like you. And I want these downstaters to like you too. So remember, if you're ever in an awkward moment talking with 
with the downstater who may disagree with you or don't doesn't support you, remind them of who is coming to town this <laughs> summer and performing songs. Toby Keith and Puddle of Mud. Uh, <laughs> you got that in your back pocket with these downstaters. I tell you, they is love Puddle those. of Mud big and downstate. Well, I mean, at one point they were. Okay. Yeah. All right. Time for actual news. And man, 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor is cool. She aired out her grievances with our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Wednesday. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman. The headline reads, Lightfoot accused of smoke and mirrors plan for Woodlawn that doesn't protect anybody from Obama Center displacement. Rookie Alderman Jeanette Taylor is angered by Lightfoot's decision to draft watered-down protections for Woodlawn instead of negotiating changes to the Community Benefits Ordinance backed by Taylor and Alderman Leslie Hairston. Ben, before we go any further, provide us here with a little context. Uh, what's the dilly with the dally in all this? Well, all right, I'll try to uh, be concise as I, uh, concise as I can. Uh, President Obama uh, and Michelle Obama decided it was a good idea to put the Obama Center in the middle of Jackson Park, which is on the south side, just south of the Museum of Science and Industry. Uh, that plan was approved during the uh, days of your favorite mayor, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. How'd you know? And uh, <laughs> Just kidding. You saw my tattoo! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mayor Pete and Mayor Rahm. Anyway. Uh, Take a chill pill, Mayor. <laughs> sorry, Rahm. Uh, and uh, I posed it, okay, uh, Obviously, I don't have a tremendous amount of sway uh, in the Rahm Emanuel administration. I felt that uh, the center shouldn't go in a park, that we should leave parks for what they are, open space, and we shouldn't clutter our parks with buildings. And furthermore, I felt that there were plenty of uh, vacant land that could really use a shot in the arm throughout the south side uh, where the Obama Center could go. But you know what? They didn't listen to me. Okay, they moved on. They approved uh, Jackson Park. Meanwhile, there's the issue of the collateral impact of the center, and most significantly, the fact that it'll probably connect to rising real estate prices that already exist to cause even more gentrification in the area. So Jeanette Taylor, who was just elected alderman uh, last, when was that? Uh, April in a runoff against Nicole Johnson. Uh, Jeanette Taylor uh, is representing uh, the local residents and activists in that area who believe there should be some very stringent protections uh, in uh, a benefits agreement with the, the neighborhood to protect them from rising rents and rising real estate price. And guess what? City of Chicago really doesn't want that. I mean, that's just a fight that's going on throughout the city of Chicago, not just in Woodlawn, not just uh, with the Obama Center, but also on the north side and Wicker Park and Bucktown, the 606 Trail. This is just a big time fight throughout the city. By and large, the people who run this city view gentrification as a bonus because it's a sign of investment in the city. It's a sign that wealthier people are coming to the city and they do not regard uh Deals the way the agreements the one like the one that Jeanette Taylor is, is uh, so, um, supporting that would limit the amount of money a, a, a landlord could uh, seek in rent as good for the city. So there's just going to be a battle there, D. It's just if Jeanette Taylor holds the line. She's going to come face to face with the powers that be in the city of Chicago. All right, so we're all caught up here. So let's uh, continue with the Fran Spielman article. Alderwoman Taylor is livid about Lightfoot's decision to draft her own watered down protections for Woodlawn instead of coming to the table and negotiating changes to the community benefits ordinance introduced last summer by Taylor and Alderman Leslie Harrison. By the way, Ben, what ward, Leslie Harrison? Come on, D. Fifth ward. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Uh, Jeanette Taylor gave a city hall <laughs> press conference alongside uh, worried Woodlawn residents on Wednesday. And in Jeanette Taylor fashion, her comments were honest and powerful. We have the quotes only, no audio. I know, so I won't be uh, doing this any justice here. But we're going to read the quotes from Jeanette Taylor here. Here's the first set of quotes. Quote, people are being displaced while we play games. It's just smoke and mirrors. You wasted my time and my community's time with what Taylor called, quote, BS. She thinks she does not have to listen to me and she does not have to work with me, so I'm going to fight her and everybody else on making sure this doesn't pass. The she in that sentence is Mayor Lori Lightfoot, correct? This little light of mine, I'm going <laughs> to let it shine. 
That's correct. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that the she in that sentence is Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You talk. Hey, I just got finished talking about how much guts Nancy Pelosi has to defy uh, the all-powerful president of the United States who controls pretty much everything except for the House of Representatives. How about Jeanette Taylor? Takes a lot of guts to stand up to an all-powerful mayor, particularly one who does not take well to criticism, does not really like it when people speak out against her. I'm not, I could guarantee you that Jeanette Taylor is not number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on Lori Lightfoot's list of favorite people. In fact, she's probably in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of people that Lori Lightfoot least likes at the moment. All right, so uh, I got to give Jeanette Taylor. I, well, everybody knows I'm a big Jeanette Taylor fan. We, how many? She's been on the show many times. I like her because she speaks her mind. She speaks from her heart. She's very passionate, and um, she's been there. She's on the front lines of so many fights in that neck of the woods. You know, I, I tell Jeanette I did not take a stand in her election against Nicole Johnson because Nicole Johnson went to high school with my daughter, and I just I felt divided in that one. You know, but. I love Jeanette Taylor. I, she went on a hunger strike uh, to defy the powers that be, to force the city to build, uh, to re, uh, reopen Diet High School, a neighborhood, make it a neighborhood school. Uh, she's always been very uh, outspoken. She speaks her mind, unafraid. We need more people in the city council like Jeanette Taylor. All right. Jeanette Taylor continues here. Uh, this was during her city hall press conference uh, speaking to the mayor in public here, quote, you take advantage of the new alderman who doesn't really know the process and you introduce what you want to introduce. I was never told that they were going to rewrite their own housing ordinance. I would have uh, I would never have agreed. Taylor said that, quote, the only thing we agree on is the demand that residents have a right of first refusal to purchase the buildings they live in before they are sold to private developers. What happens to the people who are retired who own their homes that are going to be property taxed out? What happens to the voucher holders? Their voucher is for $1,500. What happens when this landlord comes back and says your rent is going to be $2,000? Do you think these families can afford an additional $500? I don't think so. This does not protect anybody. Look at the color of the people they're supposed to be protecting. If this was anywhere else, there would not be a conversation. Okay, so now she introduces the racial angle, and I believe there was a follow-up to this? Yeah, reminded that Lightfoot is African-American. Jeanette Taylor said, quote, Just because you black don't mean you black. Where does she live? Where did she grow up? All right, I am going to definitely stay out of that uh, back and forth. Uh, I have no place in the middle of that one for all the obvious reasons, uh, but I'll say this. When it comes to the issue, the heart of this uh, of this dispute is an ironclad protection for people who live in the Woodlawn area, people who live in uh, close to the Obama Center. And the reality is prices are already rising in that area in, t in anticipation of the Obama Center. Prices will continue to rise. I believe we're going to see the southern, uh, southern gentrification movement that's coming out of the loop and going through Bronzeville, heading into Hyde Park. It's been happening for many years. It's part of a larger plan in the city. The city makes it clear that they think it's in the best interest of Chicago uh, to have gentrification, to have wealthier people. And if you have wealthier people move to a neighborhood, they pay more for the houses uh, and the property taxes rise as a result of rise assessments on the value and guess what folks it's just inevitable people are going to be priced out Jeanette Taylor is asking that the city do something it's never done before and that is protect uh, working class people middle lower middle class people and poor people from being moved by as a result of gentrification I've I've now lived through gentrification D uh, that's occurred on the north side in Lincoln Park in Lakeview in North Center in Wicker Park uh, Bucktown I've Humble Park I've seen it happen in, in my lifetime and uh, never once has the city of Chicago stepped in in any way to protect uh, the interests of most of the people who moved out it's widely considered to be healthy and good for the city if poor people get moved out of a neighborhood and wealthy people get moved in that's just a fact d that's just how we look at it here in the city of chicago jeanette taylor is fighting a very tough fight and not only that it's the obama center as in obama okay 
You know, Obama is still very popular in the city of Chicago. If you recall, in 2015, all it took was a commercial from Barack Obama endorsing Mayor Rahm, and Mayor Rahm was reelected. Well, that, and he put that sweater on. That, oh, he put the sweater. He's wearing the sweater. Okay, come on, Ben. Stop being so hard on him. The Rob sweater thing cracks me up. No, he put the sweater on. This is, I know. This is how little uh, little appreciation he had for your intelligence, people. They got together. They go, boss, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a sweater on you. You're going to say, uh, I own this. And everybody's going to go, we forgive you. And it worked. Oh, come on, Pat. He's wearing a sweater. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is wearing a sweater. Lori Lightfoot, don't start wearing sweaters. Oh, my God, my fellow Chicagoans. You know, their vote counts the same as mine, D. That's a fact, okay? Uh, anyway, Jeanette Taylor, you know, more power to you. I really appreciate the uh, your, your your gutsiness. You're like Nancy Pelosi, all right? I'm going to link Nancy Pelosi and Jeanette Taylor. Got a lot of guts. And I like how you stand up to the powers that be. It's going to be a tough fight, Jeanette Taylor. He loves Nancy Pelosi. Love Nancy Pelosi, D. Jeanette Taylor, we got your back here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, all right? Jeanette Taylor wants to go back to the bargaining table, starting with the CBA ordinance, and find a way to meet in the middle. Uh, ended out here with some quotes with Jeanette Taylor. Quote, I ain't saying all or nothing. I ain't foolish enough to think that, she said. But while they're wasting time, my community is being gentrified, and people are being put out. I, these reporters don't know how to handle uh, such honesty. Yeah. And all they're to, oh my. <laughs> well, that was candid. <laughs> or they go, you know, we like Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> uh, no, how, come on. Should I do my Mike Flannery invitation? Yeah. Go for it. Lori Lightfoot got 75% of the vote. Come on, Flannery. Come back to this studio. Oh, Ben, we got a birthday to celebrate. Yeah, that's right. One of our uh, former guests on the Ben Jarofsky Show has a birthday today. Ooh. You remember Emmanuel Chris Welch? Yeah. Today's his birthday. Hey, Chairman Chris of the Welch. Illinois House Executive Committee. State representative from the western suburbs, I believe, the pride and joy, I want to say, Proviso West? Uh, maybe not. I can't remember. Who can remember all these things? All right. <laughs> well, I'm sure. He went to Northwestern and he played baseball. Did you know that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Things you know yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason. Well, because he, he said it in the studio. Because I was listening to him when he said it. Happy birthday, Chris Welch. And uh, yeah, hope your high school is awesome. Okay, so let's go to the live stream chat here. A lot of people weighing in. Uh, let's see here. Kyle weighed in. He says, uh, D, talking to me, I'm D. Uh, D, if you rip up a piece of paper in front of Ben, will he sing your praises? <laughs> He loves Nancy Pelosi. I, I love to. I do love Nancy Pelosi. I do, but I'm not. I'm not as all powerful in my little universe as Donald John Trump is. Isn't his? It's the other way around. Who who asked the question? Oh, that's Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. If I dare to rip up a piece of paper in front of Doctor Doobie, would you sing my praises? Because that's who runs the show, folks. Don't don't kid yourself. As long as it's not a rolling paper. Don't go ripping <laughs> up rolling papers around Dr. Doobie. Kyle weighed in here. The real question for Ben about Mapleton. We were talking about Mapleton, <laughs> Illinois earlier. The real question for Ben about Mapleton is, uh, what is the mascot of the high school in Mapleton, and which politicians graduated from I, you there? You know what? I, could, <laughs> I do not know. In fact, I have a confession. Who, who said this? Kyle again? Kyle, I got a confession to make. Until Dennis said, <laughs> Mapleton, I I didn't know it existed. Oh, God, should I have admitted that, D? We lost all our Mapleton listeners. We're, they're the Mapleton Tigers, and the most famous alumni is Kyle. All right? <laughs> Actually, I do not know that. We know. Brianna weighed in. Uh, Dennis cracking me up with his Jeanette Taylor reads. Yeah, I'm a white guy. All right, let's see. <laughs> Uh, Brianna, I was thinking the same things when the doctor was reading. He, and he made a point to say, we don't have the uh, audio, so I'll do my best. We're going to bring Jeanette Taylor back to the studio, and you get to hear uh, Jeanette in her own voice. Uh, let's see here. Oh, it says here, Brianna let us know Trump is advertising on Ben's show. There was a, uh, when people watch on the live stream, there was a Trump ad before they go to I, us. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, it's all powerful. He's like... Yeah, the same thing happened the other day when I was looking for an article about impeachment or something. There was Trump, man. I'm telling you. Hey, that's why I saw this is going to get the, my lefty friends mad. Like I always say, centrist, I don't know why you're wasting your time with Biden. 
And why are you wasting time with Buttigieg? Go with Bloomberg. He, got, he can match Trump dollar for dollar and all that commercial stuff. Right, Kyle's making fun of Ben some more for his love for Nancy Pelosi. Kyle says, this is great to hear from Ben about Pelosi. I now just want him to look at a, a watching magic show and seeing his eyes glow with awe and entertainment. How'd they do hard. that? You, said, you guys are hard on Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> and Ben. All right, tell you what. Oh, it's, oh that's tough. <laughs> all right. I want any one of you out there trash talk, talking Nancy Pelosi, go up to Donald Trump and rip up, up his Well, they don't speech. have the opportunity oh, to, I you see. know. Okay, all right. Steven's the man. I guess he's a, a Mapleton know-it-all here. There is no high school in Mapleton. Well, there is 273 people, so. Is that the same Steven who chastised me yesterday? Yeah. Steven, I was, Steven. Steven he's doing good about Steven. that by the way he hasn't said bernie bro uh, you said it oh, just i mean now. come on but he hasn't said it in uh over no, 24 I, hours I, it's Steven, really good i actually i took your uh, criticism to heart uh unlike you know some of the other things about nancy pelosi i took it to heart uh you were absolutely right and i i was telling people yesterday stop using it stop using the phrase so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna steve i learned from steven as far as those Nancy haters, come on, show some love for NP. Oh, Ben, I know what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. You always bring this up, and you're terrible at uh, remembering. Do, yeah, you're very <laughs> terrible I got some at remembering. You wanted to compare headlines, right? Oh, well, I was going to do that later. Uh, when? Oh my goodness. Okay, can we do that right now? Well, yep. Set it up now. So we got. So we usually uh, set up two headlines: Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun Times. Yes. What's there to set up anymore? That was brilliant. There you go. We see which paper did the best. So, uh, yeah, so now uh, uh, Dennis will be the judge, okay? Live stream chat can weigh in as well. All right, so first let's go with the tribute. Now, just so you know, the Sun-Times is a tabloid, so they have tabloid-style headlines. Very, very punny. Yeah, punny, funny, punchy, right? Okay. So yesterday, as we all know, the U.S. Senate, in its infinite wisdom, decided to acquit Donald John Trump of the charges uh, that uh, the the House had hit him with. All right, he's acquitted. All right, he's all powerful now. He can't be impeached, or at least for the moment. They make you know they could bring back impeachment anyway. So the Tribune recorded it with this headline, and I'll show it to the camera. Senate jury acquits Trump. Very to the point. Senate. <laughs> the man loves the tribulation. Very to the point. I like that. My beloved bright one wrote this one. Teflon Don. I love Teflon Don. What do you think, D? Live stream chat. Who wrote the better headline? What are, the he- what are the headlines again? Te- Miles Conflassen has entered the studio. Miles Conflassen has entered the studio. Teflon Don from the, the Chicago Sun Times. Chicago Sun Times. We may. And the Chicago Tribune. And the Chicago Tribune was. Oh, I'm sorry. The Chicago Tribune was Senate jury acquits Trump. So you have Senate jury acquits Trump or Teflon Don. I mean, <laughs> I like the Tribunes. Very to the point. Right. No messing around. All right. Okay. Explains it just well, you know. I like to Well, in, in defense of my beloved bright one, above Teflon. Nope. Pat Rod says Sun-Times. Brianna says Sun-Times. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you there was a mobster in New York, John Gotti. They called him Teflon John. Uh, he, he, he'd never get uh, indicted or convicted by the feds. Anyway, uh, Senate acquits Trump. So, you know, the Sun-Times package, the Senate acquits Trump. Uh, well, which is the, pretty much the same headline the Tribune has. But then they give you that little spice. Teflon Don. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. 